Welcome to the Bob Harden Show, bringing you news and commentary to keep you informed and enjoying life on the Paradise Coast. And now, here's your host, Bob Harden. Good morning. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning. Johnson's Air Conditioning is Naples' longest established air conditioning company. They do great work. You can find out more and give them a call. Visit the website, johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. We have terrific guests for today's show, including Larry Reed, President Emeritus of the Foundation for Economic Education. We'll be talking about one of my favorites in radio, Paul Harvey. We'll visit with Boo Mortensen. We'll find out what's new with Boo. Seton Motley is the founder and president of Less Government, and my wife Linda will be joining us. She writes, Greetings from Paradise. It is October the 5th, and on this day in 2011, Steve Jobs, the visionary co-founder of Apple, was revolutionized the computer industry, music, and mobile communications industries with such devices as Macintosh, iPod, iPhone, and iPad died at the age of 56 of complications from pancreatic cancer. Born on February the 24th, 1955 in San Francisco, California, two unmarried grand Joanne Schnabley and Adufata Jandali, an Syrian immigrant, Jobs was adopted as a baby by Paul Jobs, a Silicon Valley machinist, and his wife Clara. After graduating from high school in Cupertino, California in 1972, he attended Reed College, a liberal arts school in Portland, Oregon, for a single semester before dropping out. He later worked briefly for pioneering video game Atari in California, traveled to India, and uh, studied Zen Buddhism. In 1976, Jobs and his computer engineer friend Stephen Wozniak founded Apple Computer in Jobs' parents' garage in Los Altos, California. As Bloomberg News would later note about Jobs, he had no formal technical training and no real business experience. What he had instead was an appreciation of technology's elegance and the notion that computers could be more than a hobbyist toy or a corporation's workhorse. These machines could be indispensable tools. In 1977, he and Wozniak launched Apple II, which became the first popular personal computer. In 1980, Apple went uh, public, and Jobs, then in his mid-20s, became a multimillionaire. Four years later, Apple debuted Macintosh, one of the first personal computers to be featured in graphical user interface which allowed people to navigate by pointing and clicking a mouse rather than typing commands. In 1985, Jobs left the company after a power struggle with Apple's board of directors. That same year, he established Next, a business that developed high-performance computers. The machines proved too pricey to gain wide consumer audience. However, British computer scientist Tim Berners-Lee developed the World Wide Web using the Next workstation. It really wasn't Al Gore, was it? It was... <laughs> Tim Berners-Lee, who developed the World Wide Web. In 1986, Jobs acquired a small computer graphics studio founded by filmmaker George Lucas and rechristened to it as Pixar Animation Studios. In 1995, Pixar released its first film, Toy Story, the first-ever feature-length computer-animated movie. It became a huge box office success and was followed by such award-winning hits as Finding Nebo, The Incredibles, and Walt Disney Company purchased Pixar for more than $7 billion, making Jobs the largest Disney shareholder. In 1986, 96, I should say, Apple, which was founded, floundering without Jobs, 
announced it would buy Next and hire Jobs as an advisor. The following year, he became Apple's interim CD CEO, and CE interim was dropped in 2000, uh, in the year 2000. And under his leadership, a nearly bankrupt Apple was transformed into one of the planet's most valuable corporations. A charismatic, demanding perfectionist, Jobs was said to possess the ability to intuit what customers wanted before they knew it themselves. In his trademark jeans and black uh, mock turtleneck, the tech titan turned product launches into highly anticipated events, and Apple introduced a series of innovative digital devices, including the iPod portable music player in 2001, the iPhone in 2007. Can you believe it's only been around that number of years, 14 years? And the iPad tablet in 2010. That became part of everyday modern life. In early 2007, Jobs created the Cupertino-based Apple was dropping computer from its official moniker to reflect the fact the company's focus had shifted from computers only to mobile electronic devices. Despite a series of medical issues, including surgery in 2004 to remove a pancreatic tumor, and in 2008 a liver transplant, Jobs continued to lead Apple until August 24, 2011, when he stepped down as the company's chief executive. Six weeks later, he passed away at his Palo Alto, California home. At the time of his death, Jobs, a father of four, had a net worth of estimated more than $7 billion. According to biographer Walter Jacobson, Jobs was the greatest business executive of our era and one most certain to be remembered a century from now. History will place him in the pantheon right next to Thomas Edison and Henry Ford. Such an interesting man with such an interesting background. And by the way, tax the rich. Think of all the jobs that he created. Think that the good that he's created in, the, in our country, on the globe, actually, and the amount of wealth that he's created for so many. Just unbelievable contribution to uh, the global economy. Well, unfortunately, Florida's first lady is battling breast cancer in the most difficult test of her life, according to Governor Ron DeSantis. Uh, he, uh, she is, Casey uh, DeSantis is the mother of three children. and She married DeSantis in 2010. He said, I'm saddened to report that the Florida's esteemed first lady, my beloved wife, has been diagnosed with breast cancer, he said. The governor called his wife the centerpiece of their family and noted that the impact she's made on countless Floridians as she faces the most difficult test of her life, she will not only have my unwavering support, but the support of our entire family, as well as the prayer and continued wishes from Floridians across the state. Casey is a true fighter, and she will never, never, never give up. As Florida's first lady, Casey DeSantis, 41, has led multiple initiatives, including Hope Florida, Pathway to Prosperity, Economic Sufficiency, and Hope. She's the former, uh, she's a former television host. Did not know that. Our prayers are with, uh, certainly, with Casey DeSantis. Collier County reported fewer coronavirus cases in the week ending Sunday, adding 694 cases. That's about 41% fewer than a week earlier when it reported 1,178 cases. <coughs> Hospitalizations <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> are also down in Collier and Lee County. So that's good news, heading in the right direction. Perhaps all this nonsense about masks. Uh, jabs and so forth uh, will come to an end as this thing winds down, hopefully. Well, new Anthony Fauci emails obtained by the National Pulse reveal that a lab he funded through his National Institutes of Health Agency were training researchers at the Wuhan Institute of Virology's Biosafety Level 4 facility. Biosafety Level 4, 
BSL-4 facilities handle agents that can be aerosol transmitted or can cause severe to fatal disease in humans. The news follows yesterday's revolution that Fauci landed lauded Xi Jinping awards for U.S. researchers. Now a new email confirms a previous National Pulse report on the relationship between the Chinese Communist Party-run Institute and the Galveston National Laboratory, which describes itself as a constructed under the grants awarded by Fauci's National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases. National Pulse can reveal a 2017 email exchange between Fauci and GNL uh, Director James LeDuc, confirming the existence of the lab's partnership with the Wuhan Institute of Virology. In brief, the emails show Fauci's funding of GNL via NIAD was doing directly to, was going uh, directly towards Chinese uh, staff. The Duke said, uh, sent an email to Fauci on October the 31st, 2017, titled China BSL-4 Labs, where he reminds Fauci how they conversed regarding collaborations with the new Chinese labs. Among the labs referenced by LeDuke are the Chinese Academy of Sciences, or the Wuhan BSL-4. He noted that the directors of each of these three new labs have agreed to come to Galveston. Bottom line here is, quite frankly, you may recall that in testifying to uh, the Senate, U.S. Senate, Fauci said, I had nothing to do at all with the Wuhan lab or development of these uh, uh, function uh, research, gain-of-function research. But clearly he did. Now there's proof, absolute black-and-white proof that he did uh, fund this research and participate with it. Uh, he should, therefore, I think, be indicted for lying to Congress, among other things. Well, the most common disorders are reported after COVID-19 vaccinations in the United States include temperature-related issues, 226,000 of those, skin problems, 174,000, a category that includes movement, muscle, nerve, neuropathy, numbness, and paralysis, 164,000. That's according to the original analysis of the Federal Vaccine Adverse Event Reporting System, or VAERS, V-A-E-R-S. Next in line are the nonspecific pain-related issues, uh, feeling abnormal, tired or weak, injection site reactions, headaches, heart events, and lung or respiratory problems, all having about at least 100,000 uh, cases. Abdominal problems, 40,000. Getting COVID after vaccination, 34,500. And, and uh, blood clots or bleeding, including the heart and brain, 32,000 among the common reactions. Product issues uh, or mood memory problems, 31,000. So this is a pretty serious, all these cases. And of course, they are estimating that the number of cases <clears throat> is actually uh, far more than reported to far, uh, VARS system because not all cases are reported. So if you're Concerned about the vaccine, you should be. People should think through whether they want to take the vaccine because there are adverse events with the vaccine for COVID-19. There's been, by the way, uh, a total of 2,433,730 symptoms reported and about, as I understand it, about 700,000 deaths in the United States. This segment of the show brought to you by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning, Naples, Longest established air conditioning company. Visit johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website 
is lifeinnaples.net. Coming up, we're going to visit with Larry Reed, President Emeritus of the Foundation for Economic Education. That and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. I'm Bob Harden, the host of the Bob Harden Show. One of my favorites for breakfast or lunch is Lulabee's Diner, providing great service, fabulous food, and a rockin' good time. Lulabee's Diner is a throwback to the 60s, complete with great music and a fabulous 60s decor. What I like best is a blend of great food, great value, and terrific service. Most of the friendly waitstaff has been part of Lulabee's for years. I enjoy the great choices for breakfast and lunch, and you'll find the menu has everything and anything to satisfy your taste. Lulabee's offers catering, party platters, lunch boxes, and more. Lulabee's Diner will quickly become one of your favorites for breakfast or lunch. No reservations are needed. Check out the website at lulabees.com and stop by Lulabee's Diner, open from 8 a.m. until 2 p.m. seven days a week. Lulabee's Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center at the corner of Immokalee and Airport Pulling Roads. Stop by Lulabee's Diner for fabulous food and for a forever cool rockin' good time. Did you know St. Matthew's House operates the only emergency homeless shelters in Collier County? St. Matthew's House provided more than 500,000 hot meals to those in need last year, and since 2010, 527 men and women have graduated from the St. Matthew's House Justin's Place Addiction Recovery Program. For over 30 years, St. Matthew's House has provided innovative solutions to fight homelessness, hunger, substance abuse, and poverty in Southwest Florida. And you can help St. Matthew's House in this life-transforming work by patronizing the St. Matthew's House Thrift Stores, Cafe M25, Car Wash and Detailing Center, and award-winning catering operations. For more information, visit stmatthewshouse.org. That's stmatthewshouse.org. St. Matthew's House is a 501c3 not-for-profit organization and does not solicit government funding. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Choice Social. It's a new, refreshing social networking platform, and I hope you'll check it out. You can visit the website, choicesocial.us. Coming up, we're going to be visiting with uh, Boo Mortensen. We'll find out what's new with Boo. Right now, we have with us Larry Reed, President Emeritus of the Foundation for Economic Education. Larry, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Bob. Tell us about the uh, Foundation for Economic Education. Okay. We're headquartered in Atlanta, Georgia. Our focus is on young people nationwide and sometimes abroad. We inspire and educate them in ideas of individual liberty, free markets and free enterprise, private property, and personal character. And your listeners can learn a lot more about us by visiting our website at feefee.org where they'll see regular daily content, uh, free videos, and news about events. Terrific organization. If you have somebody in your life who's high school or college age, please do introduce them to this fantastic organization. I've attended their national conferences. They are just outstanding. So, again, fee.org, F-E-E.org. So, Larry, you wrote a piece on one of my favorites, 
Paul Harvey. Feels like a member of the family going back and listening to Paul Harvey <laughs> over the past years. Maybe you could tell us about your column. Okay. Yeah, Paul Harvey was one of my favorites, too. And for half a century, uh, he uh, entertained and informed America on solid principles, great stories, and he did it with a flair uh, and some eccentricities that only added to the... Uh, uh, the, just the, the wonderful storytelling ability that he had. Yeah. He was born in 1918, so if he were alive today, he'd be 103, but he died at the age of 90, about 12 years ago. And um, uh, he uh, is probably best known for that very idiosyncratic delivery of news stories and his quirky intonations and uh, his standard lead lead-ins and sign-offs. You know, he started uh, with the snappy "Good day," or actually ended uh, with "Good day." Right. He started with "Hello, Americans," and Hello, Americans. I still remember that voice as if uh, I'd heard it just yesterday. I do too. Uh, my dad was a radio personality, and uh, Paul Harvey was on his show. My dad and Paul Harvey actually developed a friendship over the years. It was uh, mm. such an interesting guy. What I most appreciated was something which I could, I wish I could develop, but I haven't taken the time or the effort to to do so, is his use of pregnant. Uh, silence, pregnant uh, moments of silence were just incredible. He would say, <laughs> yes. and now you know the rest of the story. Good day. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he was just fantastic. He was a master of timing, and those pauses always at the right place uh, were just <clears throat> one very good example of that. But along with that, he was also an extremely committed American. He was committed to the idea of America. He was committed to the well-being of America. Maybe you, maybe you could elaborate a little bit on that. Yeah, he was just a fine man in every way, a great family man. Um, he was a, a solid Christian man. He lived his life as uh, he taught uh, that others should live. He, he, he walked away. Talk, I guess, is the way to put it. Mm. And um, he was just very sincere in everything that he did. And so many of the things that he said uh, will be memorable for decades and decades to come. Uh, I liked uh, what he said about optimism. He was always optimistic, even if uh, for the moment there were a few reasons to be. Uh, he once said that, I have never seen a monument erected to a pessimist. <laughs> <That's so true. laughs> and he could be hilarious, too. He, he once said that golf is a game where you score a six, yell four, and write down a five. That's <laughs> <laughs> true. <laughs> it was fabulous. He, he had so many clever stories and sayings. And what I, he also, what he did, he'd tell a background story of somebody that turned out to be extremely famous who had all kinds of adversity, difficulty, and things. Just incredible. That it, it led to that whole, and now you know the rest of the story about whoever it might be. It was just incredible. Tell us a, a, yeah. few, a few more of his uh, sayings. Okay. Yeah, no, he, you know, he was very skeptical of big government. And one of the uh, things he said in that regard was, they have gun control in Cuba. They have universal health care in Cuba. So why do they want to come here? <laughs> and uh, I mean, the, the point was, you know, that they, they don't have freedom, and that's more important than any of those other things. Absolutely. Um, he also, uh, given today's spending spree in Washington, this is even more relevant than ever, he once said that government has to be cut back like asparagus every day 
where it gets away and goes to seed. Ours did. When there's too much of it, the flower becomes a weed. That's <laughs> so true. He was. If you found yourself in a situation where you could either save a drowning man or you need to take a Pulitzer Prize winning photograph of him drowning, what shutter speed and setting would you use? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was a great one. And uh, he also said that uh, I was never one who sought to make the small man tall by cutting off the legs of a giant. Yeah. I wanted to drag no man down to my size, only to preserve a way of life which might make it possible for me one day to elevate myself until I at least partly matched his side, yeah. uh, his size. And, you know, today with so many people out there trying to tear down the successful, uh, that's especially uh, poignant. Yeah, another, just in that same vein, luck is a word used to describe the success of people you don't like. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. He made yep. a great he made a great contribution uh through the years. And how long was he on the air? I'm guessing at least 40 50 years. Yeah, it was about <clears throat> I mean, he had uh different shows over the years, but the most popular one that was called Paul Harvey News and Comment, that was on from 1951 to 2008. So more than half a century just for that one show alone. And he was getting as many as 24 million listeners a week yeah. for that particular program. Well, I know that he was doing uh, three or four or five-minute segments on different shows as well. His uh, seg uh, syndicated segments were put on a lot of different, uh, tr for example, my, sh uh, my dad's show was kind of a uh, drive-time show from 6 until 10 in the morning. And uh, he would have a, a segment on once a, once a day, and it mm -hmm. was always fun to listen to. And now well, you... And how's this? How's this about a personal optimism? When he was uh, 82 years of age, he signed a 10-year contract <laughs> with a major network uh, that paid him a very hefty sum uh, yeah. per year. <laughs> his voice never wavered, too. In his aging, sometimes when, as people age, their voice uh, crackles and gets... He never aged in terms of his voice. He always had this command of this deep-throated uh, bravado that I, I i would call it but he was just an amazing um, not only a radio performer extremely informative but also a great entertainer absolutely fun to listen to and very educational at the same time larry reed again president emeritus of the foundation for economic education i encourage you to visit the website fee.org f-e-e.org larry always appreciate your commentary here in the show thank you so much for joining us my pleasure. Thank you, Bob. My pleasure, indeed. All right, coming up, we're going to visit with Boo Mortensen. We're going to find out what's new with Boo. That and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Luke Provence Restaurant is a favorite dining destination for many Neapolitans, including Linda and myself. Luke Provence, located in a historic building in the heart of Old Naples at Creighton Cove, offers a mix of French bistro cooking with bold, fresh Floridian flavors. Experience award-winning cuisine at Blue Provence and enjoy one of Florida's most extensive, eclectic, and fun wine cellars. Dining your choice of the popular Eden Bar, the intimate courtyard garden, or the beautiful Provencal Caribbean dining room. 
Enjoy a wonderful and memorable evening in a casual and relaxed atmosphere that includes a taste of Provencal hospitality. Blue Provence is open seven days a week, all year round. Visit BlueProvenceNaples.com for reservations, everyday specials, and coming events. That's BlueProvenceNaples.com or call 261-8239. That's 261-8239. Blue Provence French Restaurant in the heart of Old Naples. Golfshore Playhouse is passionately committed to enriching our cultural landscape by producing professional theater to the highest artistic standards and providing unique educational opportunities to folks in a spirit of service, adventure, and excitement. Over the past 15 years, the Playhouse has expanded immensely, outgoing its current facilities. With dreams of expanding even further in order to better serve the community, broaden the economic impact, and strengthen the cultural fabric of our region, it's time to build and move into a new home. A 44,000 square foot state-of-the-art theater and education center will be built on three acres at the corner of 1st Avenue South and Goodlett Frank Road, allowing Gulf Shore Playhouse to achieve those dreams. To find out more about Gulf Shore Playhouse, this state-of-the-art performing arts center, and about the season's exciting productions, visit golfshoreplayhouse.org. That's golfshoreplayhouse.org. We'll see you at the show. Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harton. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Golf Shore Playhouse. You just heard about building a brand new performing arts center in downtown Naples. And of course, they bring you professional New York style theater at its very best. You can find out more by visiting the website golfshoreplayhouse.org. Coming up, we're going to visit with Seton Motley, the founder and president of Less Government. Right now, it's time to find out what's new with Boo. Boo Mortensen up in Madison, Wisconsin. Boo, how are you doing? I'm doing well. Are you enjoying the fall weather? Is it fall weather down there? It is. I mean, the humidity is getting sapped out of the air right now in the mornings. It's actually just a little bit of coolness in the air, and the days are just spectacular. Well, I have to say they are, too. We've had about... Actually, our whole summer's been just extraordinary. It's been beautiful, and now it's getting cool, and the trees are starting to change colors, so you know how great that is. Oh, yeah, it's a, just a beautiful time of year in Madison, and uh, great weather and uh, you know, nip in the air. It's just, just a fantastic, I, lo- I love fall. No matter where I've lived, I've always enjoyed fall, up until the time the frost sets in. Yeah, right. Well, that's when we leave and come back down to Florida. Yeah. See, on a different note, I, <clears throat> I'm going to read you a quote from the back page of the Wall Street Journal. They took the whole page. <clears throat> it says, human error causes over 20 million car accidents each year, and you're worried about cars driving themselves? Mm-hmm. Are you a big proponent of driverless cars, and would you get in a driverless car? Well, I have a friend that has, he actually uh, goes up to uh, yeah, about a three-hour, four-hour trip up to the horse country up there, and I can't, the name slips my mind right now, irrespective. And he lets the car drive itself uh, while he's doing that. I would not do, I don't think I would do that. I just, uh, uh, too obsessive, I think, by, with safety for whatever reason, but I, would you, what, what are your thoughts? 
no, I think I'm too much of a control freak. Yeah. I, I think that I would be so nervous. And maybe it's something that you have to acclimate to. You know, you start on little streets. The car proves that it can do it. But to go on a highway, oh, I'm not sure I could do that. Well, and, and you know, I'm sure you've read about them. I've read about, quote, unquote, mistakes that the technology has made that people, you know, and it's <laughs> if it's a mistake, it's a big one. I mean, it's... You just get wiped out. So I, yeah. I but you know, it's kind of cool. I had it, it was uh, the same friend. Uh, we were having dinner, and it started to rain, and so uh, he just somehow sent a message through his key fob to the car, and it backed out of the parking space and came right up to him, and uh, they got in the car. No. Yeah, isn't that cool? Now. Oh my! What kind of car was it? Well, it was a, uh, a Tesla. But I don't think it exceeded during the course of that five miles an hour, four miles an hour. It was just going very slowly and very safely. But the point being is that there's a lot of convenience. And can you imagine, for example, if you want to get your golf clubs and or you got to take your golf clubs to the car, you just bring the car, <laughs> just just bring the car without having to go out to the car and get it. Oh my! Or groceries? You probably didn't think about groceries. No, I didn't think about that. But that groceries too, absolutely. Yeah. Okay, so yesterday I was in the car, and I was listening, and they were talking about Bitcoin. Mm -hmm. And now they are going to be putting up Bitcoin ATM machines. Hmm. Now, tell me what that means. I mean, so you, you put in your PIN number, you get Bitcoin dollars back, and then what, what do you buy with Bitcoin? Do you go out and buy a Tesla? Well, apparently, uh, Tesla does take Bitcoin in exchange for the car. Uh, I don't know a lot about Bitcoin either. Uh, I'm a little concerned about some of the risks involved in Bitcoin. The major risk that I'd be concerned about is if, in fact, they got too popular, uh, a government could just say they're not uh, legal currency here in the United States. We're just not going to allow it to be used. So it would be regulatory concerns uh, that I'd have. But that said, uh, I don't know how that would, you know, obviously you can't deal in dollars. Maybe they could. Maybe they'd uh, end up transferring or doing some sort of calculation to uh, transfer it to dollars. But uh, I know some, some, uh, some places actually take Bitcoin in exchange for goods and services. Some don't. Some want the good old dollar, the greenback. Well, you know, I've basically sort of ignored it because I haven't understood it. And, you know, I like the dollar. I understand it. It's familiar to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and this Bitcoin thing, I just, I don't, I don't understand the concept. We need two currencies now. And, and so I've just kind of ignored it, read a little bit about it, and then forgot about it. But the fact that now they're getting to the point where they're installing ATM machines. Yeah, I've never heard I of mean, that. I mean, they're here to stay. That's that is while. incredible. Well, one thing about Bitcoin is it is is that uh, aside from a small uh, change or mining fee that's paid out, the amount of Bitcoin stays the same. So what you can expect that it will retain its value in spite of inflation. So as inflation continues, you'd see the value or the of a of a Bitcoin go up. Uh, so. Unlike the dollar, which uh, actually the value would go down, quite frankly, because they continue to print more and more of them. 
which is the problem we're going to be having shortly. Uh, we're currently deep into it, knee-deep in, <laughs> in inflation, unfortunately, sadly. Right. Linda tells me going to the grocery store that things are really getting expensive. So, so it's, it's showing up, and it's showing up at the gas pump, too. So this inflation is a serious problem. They say it's transitory. Uh, that's what the uh, Fed is saying, but I don't believe it. I think uh, we're going to have a problem with inflation. I think we are, too. Well, yes, we are. Um, uh, we've seen the enemy, and they're us. Mm-hmm. That was, uh, who said that? That was... Uh, Peanut. Peanut. No, I think it was, uh, what's that one with the uh, possum? Oh, um, uh, Christopher Robin? No, I can't. Well, son of a gun. Dior? I've forgotten, boo. <laughs> oh, my goodness. All right, the last vision I want you to have in your head is, and I'm not sure if this is true, but they are replacing uh, the steps up to, for Biden to go up the steps up to Air Force One. They are replacing it with an escalator. <laughs> Did you see him take, Have you seen him take that fall? It was just... <laughs> I shouldn't laugh. He's the president of the United States, for crying out loud. But it was so funny because he kept on trying to get his footing, and he kept on falling down. He didn't hurt himself. That's why I can laugh. But uh, yeah, uh, no, I haven't. Nope. Well, they're not, they're, it, they're not, it's now going to be an escalator. I, I, now you'd think instead of an escalator, they'd just get one of those chairs that they have for it, people that uh, in homes where they have stairs that they just he sits there, straps himself on the chair, and he just goes up on. <laughs> <laughs> He's our president, unbelievable. No, I had I I hadn't heard that. I had not heard that, but that's well. It just could be a rumor too. Yeah, because actually, you know, aside uh, from a few slips and falls and stuff, uh, he he's actually pretty spry. He he gets around pretty well, although uh, sometimes he loses direction. He can't figure out where he's going. <laughs> but wherever he's going, he's going there in a pretty good pace. So. <laughs> Dazed and confused. Oh, my goodness. Indeed. Again, Boo Morris, I always appreciate your commentary. It's on the lighter side of the show. I genuinely appreciate talking to you. Thanks so much for joining us. Oh, it's always my pleasure, Bob. Thank you, Boo. All right, coming up, we're going to visit with Seton Motley, the founder and president of Less Government. That and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the uh, Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. You suffer from joint pain in your shoulders, hips, or knees. I was suffering from debilitating pain in my knees. On a referral, I saw Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine. He successfully treated my symptoms and pain for several months. Finally, having exhausted all alternatives for pain management, Dr. Markovich and I agreed that surgery was my best alternative. Dr. Markovich replaced both of my knees in 2006, and I now have full range of motion in both knees, and I have no pain. I now play golf and exercise free of debilitating pain in my knees. Don't suffer needlessly with joint pain. Call orthopedic surgeon Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine at 482-5399. That's 482-5399. He did a great job for me and he'll help you too.
School Choice is a growing movement, one that is already lifting thousands of kids across America and is now supported by three out of four voters. The Optima Foundation, a 501c3 nonprofit, was founded to support the establishment and expansion of superior schools of choice. Optima's goal is the successful launch of Hillsdale College, classical academies, and other schools of excellence serving kindergarten through 12th grade. The mission is to train the minds and improve the hearts of young people through content-rich classical education in the liberal arts and sciences with instruction in the principles of moral character and civic virtue. A perfect product of the process, Naples Classical Academy opened this fall and a classical virtual school, Optima Classical Academy, will open in 2022. Find out more by visiting OptimaEd.org. Help children in Florida optimize their education opportunities. Visit www.optimaed.org. Welcome back to the Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harton. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. We're providing you news and commentary rooted in a commitment to individual liberty, personal responsibility, limited government, and the rule of law. Coming up, we're going to visit with Linda Harden. Right now we have with us Seton Motley, the founder and president of Less Government. Seton, thank you so much for joining us. Good morning, sir. Tell us about Less Government. Yeah, we exist to reduce the size, scope, and sphere of influence of government. And literally this morning, I ordered both iterations of the Florida secession flag from 1861. <laughs> hey, sir. And also, I ordered uh, the, the Keys. The Keys had their own secession flag. Yes. And I've got, I've, I've got two of those coming, too. The, you mean the Florida Keys had a secession plan? What do you like plan? to know about Drake? Yes, with, with the capital in Key West, because, of course. Um, but, yeah, they had the, it's Sorry, blue. I can't do that. It says, it, it, they call it the Conch the con Republic, the Conch Republic. And it says Key West on the flag. It's, yeah. Pretty cool. I had no yeah. idea. That's, that's breaking news. And I have my 25-foot flagpole, and it's going on the top of it, <laughs> above my Don't Tread on Me flag. <laughs> so, Seton, this kind of leads to the, the whole notion of the frustration of what's happening in Washington, D.C. Just a lot of lies coming out of D.C. right now. I mean, <laughs> when, when you called, I was watching the Treasury Secretary, Secretary Janet Yellen on CNBC, and in one sentence she said two preposterous things. The first one is, if we don't get rid, she wants to get rid of the debt ceiling, like not renew it periodically. Uh, you know, uh, now I'll agree it's been perfunctory forever, and the one time Republicans tried to do anything with it, they were excoriated by many Republicans, let alone Democrats. But she said Social Security payments wouldn't get paid. Well, they always ignore the fact that people are paying taxes throughout the year. I am. I'm an estimated quarterly payer right. um, as, a, as a self-employed person. Of course, everybody, you know, wage earners, you know, employees are getting their money taken out of their paychecks every time they get paid. Uh, it's, it's withholding. It goes back to World War II. My, joke, my jokey two-step tax reform is to end all paycheck withholding and move election day to April 16th. Yeah. Um, Good idea. You know, write a check and head to the polls. Good idea. Um, so, so she lied about Social Security. Then she, <laughs> she created one of those co combination phrases, word combination phrases that can only exist in Washington, D.C. or in government. She said millions of people's child tax credit payments won't get made. 
Now, first of all, they would, again, because we're sending money in. Two, a child tax credit means you get a deduction from the taxes you pay. Right. If they're writing you a check, it's not a credit tax credit. It's a welfare program. Yeah, that's right. So only in D.C. could someone of that stature, alleged stature, I, I refer to the position, not her actual bearing, um, only in someone that, that high up the government food chain could utter a phrase so completely self-referentially contradictory. <laughs> hey, by the way, though, the, the premise of her, uh, of her comments about uh, getting rid of the debt ceiling, I think, is totally preposterous. Can you imagine yes. government having a, a credit card without any limit well, on the spending? Well, uh, well, that's the thing. is They basically do now. I mean, in a way, you've got to admire the honesty, right? <clears throat> mm-hmm. um, you know, this has been a perfunctory afterthought, you know, raising the debt ceiling just about every time it's come up. Um, in 2013, the Republicans, like I said, tried to make an issue of it, um, and they got, of course, the, the, the zeitgeist came down on them, because the zeitgeist is all entirely run by the left, but even some Republicans, you know, the, the, the old school, you know, the, the never-Trump Republicans before they were never-Trump, <laughs> right, you know, right. 2013, uh, were, were excoriating their Republican colleagues for, you know, and then they used all the stupid freak-out phrases that everybody uses whenever we discuss the debt ceiling. Well, I tell you, just, uh, I'm glad we have the debt ceiling, first of all, because it happens to be the one thing that the uh, uh, conservatives can use in order to keep the, ch- the uh, spending in check. And <laughs> ostensibly, yes. Go ahead. <laughs> uh, ostensibly, yes. Hey, by the way, uh, Facebook went down yesterday. Uh, yes. What are your thoughts? Yes. I am someone who thoroughly does not believe in coincidences, but I think this happens to be a coincidence that it was the day after the, the 60 Minutes thing where the whistleblower came out of Facebook. And you'll notice 60 Minutes loves, loves whistleblowers that come at whomever from the left, mm-hmm. right? Right. I mean, her complaints are they weren't left enough. Now, the one interesting wrinkle in the in the whistleblowers is... What everybody's, you know, if you, there's a, there's a documentary from, I think, 2018 called The Creepy Line. And that's, a uh, Google executive said, we want to get right up to the cre- creepy line of surveillance, but not cross it. Hmm. And it's a documentary all, from insiders in the various big tech companies talking about what she's whistleblowing on, which is they are tapping into basically your lizard brain to make, you know, pulling down your phone to refresh your timeline on Facebook has the exact same chemical brain reaction as pulling the arm on a slot machine. Yeah. And, of course, all these big tech companies know this, and what she's saying is they know this. They know it's especially bad for children because, of course, their brains are forming. They're not formed yet. And... In every instance, when Facebook ran into a dilemma of, do we back off of this, or do we keep making, do we make, which will cost us money, or do we push the envelope, which will make us more money? And in every instance, they push the envelope to make themselves right. more more money. They did the right thing. They wanted to make more money. <laughs> <laughs> 
uh, at the expense of the entire all of Western civilization. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, and apparently this all was started because the story that I read is that uh, some guy apparently uh, who was working on uh, the gateway to the uh, to the Facebook uh, made some adjustments or uh, uh, updates. And uh, the whole thing crashed. So it was a human error, apparently, that led by somebody internally in Facebook. Oh, okay. Well, you know, it's funny. I, I, I went and found the social network, you know, the movie about Facebook. Yeah. And, and I went and found the scene on, on YouTube where he let, you remember, uh, his partner, uh, Eduardo Saverin, pulls, cancels all the bank accounts. And Mark Zuckerberg goes off on him on the phone about the difference between Facebook and we never go offline ever. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, uh, uh, you want to revisit that thought, uh, Mark? You know, the other thing, though, you mentioned coincidences. It's not just Facebook and, and its uh, other subsidiaries like uh, YouTube. Instagram. Instagram. But that apparently some other companies, uh, including communication companies like Infinity and uh, others, had some problems, too. I don't know if they were related or not. but I, Well, you know, I, I've never run a big company that really it really gets deep into interfacing with a, with a social media company to... Uh, like Facebook to amplify your message, you know, and maybe because of the hybrid you make between your company's online presence and Facebook's, maybe that, you know, reverberated out like yeah. that. You know, what I'm, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. But it always linked it, up with them as part of your as part of your marketing, right? Product. But it, it brings up the the whole specter though of cybersecurity and what's going on here. I mean, we're so vulnerable to some sort of a cyber attack. Yeah, my my uncle was the deputy science and technology advisor to three secretaries of state, so he's been in this forever. And he said when the internet was forming, and basically all the way up till a year ago, maybe less. Every, again, every decision they made was to make it faster, not yeah. more secure. Yeah. See, my it's it, like it's like you know a race car versus a a Volvo. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we chose we chose the race car every time and didn't really secure the network. And now we've built this you know multi trillion dollar economy on a very rickety frame. Absolutely. Seton Mottlegan, the founder and president of Less Government. Visit the website, lessgovernment.org, lessgovernment.org. Seton, always a pre- into Facebook, yes. And Facebook as well. Seton, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. Thank you, sir. My pleasure, indeed. All right, coming up, we're going to visit with the lovely Linda Harden. She writes Greetings from Paradise. She's also got some great views and thoughts on what's happening here in the United States and around the globe. We're going to do that and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. The dining scene in Naples is among the nation's finest. Get a first-hand experience with Naples Culinary Walks. Join a guided food walk with a terrific guide in a small group through elegant Naples neighborhoods known for destination restaurants. In three hours, you'll stop for small plates on your chosen tour. Dining walk choices include morning, afternoon, and evening offerings on 5th Avenue South, Downtown 3rd Street, Waterside, Galleria Shops at Vanderbilt, and more. Prices begin at only $46 a person, depending on the tour you select. 
Park. To find out more and to make a reservation, visit NaplesCulinaryWalks.com. That's NaplesCulinaryWalks.com for a great value and a terrific dining experience. have an extra auto you'd like to donate to charity, maximize your tax deduction, support your favorite charity, and help a local child in need by calling Naples Auto Donation Center. Naples Auto Donation Center is a not-for-profit licensed car dealer. Just call NADC at 692-9840 and they'll take it from there. You get a properly documented tax deduction for whatever the vehicle actually sells for. Your designated beneficiary charity gets half the profit after fix-up costs, and the net revenue generated by NADC goes to Friends of Foster Children to provide tutoring and other enrichment activities for foster children the government doesn't provide. And NADC is also one of the few places in Collier County that sells inexpensive cars that actually run to folks who would otherwise not be able to afford one. It's a real win-win. Call Naples Auto Donation Center at 692-9840. Or visit the website, nadckids.com. You'll be glad you did. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the Foundation for Government Accountability, a proudly serving their board. One of their initiatives is creating policies and programs to get able-bodied folks off of welfare and back to work. It's a moral imperative, and you can find out more by visiting the website, thefga.org. We have with us Linda Harden. That's right. She's my wife, my partner. She's also the author of a great newsletter, Greetings from Paradise. Linda, thank you so much for joining us. Good morning. Another beautiful morning in paradise. It's a great day in paradise, indeed. So uh, uh, you've got some news on what's happening with COVID. Well, I mean, just as a headline, um, the whole COVID narrative is blowing up. Um, I don't know if you're going to be able to post this on your website, but Project Veritas uh, came out last night with this mind-blowing interview with some scientists from Pfizer who actually admitted that... uh, that immune system antibodies were more effective than the vaccine and that their their whole company is now based on on income from the vaccine it is just so incredibly mind blowing for any of your listeners who want to go to it it's projectveritas.com and watch that video it'll only take you 5 minutes but it is worth it yeah i mean they're basically saying you know what if you have if you had covid uh, what you've got in your system is already better than what the vaccines are providing. I don't, you know, the, the uh, uh, yesterday I reported on the show that uh, a vaccine is effect ninety five percent effective for the first two months, but after about six to seven months, the effects and uh, efficacious nature of the, of the vaccine goes down eighty three percent. Can you believe it's like not? It's barely having even had the vaccine. You know what? Let's just say this. Well, like we were talking off here. They, the CDC and NIH cannot move the goalposts fast enough as far as this is concerned. Last Friday, Rochelle Walensky, the head of the CDC, came out and said, oh, well, yeah, we're, we're gaining really um, uh, huge strides in the vaccine, but guess what? Uh, the vaccine won't stop you from spreading it. Really? So these, these companies are mandating their employees to get the vaccine so it won't, they won't spread it to other people, but it doesn't work. Yeah, uh, it, is, it is unfortunate. And uh, I, right now, 
uh, this past week, the number of cases in in uh, Collier County is down 40, 41%. And how do we know that? Well, because the Naples Daily News is suddenly not talking about anything related to COVID. What a big surprise. Well, you know, it's actually in the paper this morning that uh, the number of cases is down in Collier County. I'll give them credit for that. I'm not giving them credit for anything. <laughs> <Okay>. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, it is. You know, I, I refer to the Naples Daily News as the donkey press because it is so left-leaning and it's so incredibly, uh, even when they write a column about something that uh, DeSantis has done well, they, they have to throw in some sort of a jab, some sort of a criticism about what he is and what he's done. Oh, it's, it's just evil. And oh, by the way, let's just, as a side note about the Naples Daily News, got notice that, oh, their transportation costs are going up. But you can avoid those by going to pick up your paper at the Naples Daily, at the Naples Daily News on Immokalee Road. Are you kidding me? Yeah, uh, unbelievable. Anyway, getting back, getting back to COVID, all these people. You know what, honey? This just, it's just so cool because people are, are waking up. Their, their eyes are opening to what's really going on. And people are furious. People who are getting booted. How, how stupid is this? Let's just create this scenario for a second. In the middle of a quote-unquote pandemic, and what are, what are hospitals and medical uh, centers doing? They're firing their health care workers. Who, by how the way, stupid is that? Who, by the way, probably have, are more informed and have a better understanding of what's going on than the people who are not health care workers. So why are the health care workers, like 40% of health care workers, not wanting to get the jab? Why do they not want to get vaccinated? Well, because, because they, they know. And they care. They feel strongly enough about it for many of them to decide that they're just going to give up their jobs. Exactly, exactly. I, it it is just it's just incredible. Yet these politicians are dug in so deeply. Yeah. They can't turn back now. They just can't. And like I told you off air, this one uh, person I follow on uh, Gab is said that this Project Veritas uh, revelation may single handedly blow up. All this mandate garbage that people, that companies and whatever are putting over on their on their employees. Yeah, I mean, up in New York City, my goodness, restaurant the business is down forty to sixty percent because of the vaccine mandate. You have to have a vaccine passport in order to get into a restaurant. It's just ridiculous and uh, makes no absolutely no sense at all. And uh, fortunately, here in Collier County, here in Florida. Uh, Governor DeSantis is uh, saying, basically, let's trust our citizens. They'll make good decisions about their health. They understand that this uh, virus is out there. They're going to be careful. Uh, and uh, He is encouraging everybody to get vaccinated, but he says it's basically a personal choice. You decide what you want to do. No masks for kids in schools. No uh, vaccine mandate for kids in school. These are all great decisions. and Unbelievably, some people are resisting it and fighting back. Let's just review this Pfizer vaccine for just a second. Some people would argue who, who um, don't bother to do their own research on it have said, oh, wait, we're used to, you know, we get vaccines all the time. We got vaccines when we were growing up, measles, mumps, blah, 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 um, polio vaccine, whatever. Big difference. They were FDA approved. And, oh, by the way, they were studied over years and years. Yeah, yeah. This, Pfizer, this Pfizer vaccine, the one they're using, is still an emergency use experimental liquid. And, and they said, oh, no, no. President Biden said the FDA approved the Pfizer no, vaccine. Not true. And it's not true. It's a bait and switch by the pharmaceutical industry, Pfizer, and the Biden administration 
to coerce people into getting that shot. The, the, the actual approved uh, vaccine, Cormirti, I believe it's called, yeah. has been approved by the FDA, but news bulletin people, it's not available it's in not, the United States. It's not available in the United States. Now, the reason for that, of course, is that it just, uh, uh, they don't have any liability for emergency use. They would have liability for uh, uh, a vaccine that has been approved by the FDA. So, so for some reason, it's not available. I think I know the reasons because of the financial liability. Well, and, and oh, by the way, if you if you look on the on the site to see what's in it, guess what? The ingredients are redacted. I wonder why that is. Interesting. So interesting. So uh, we'll we'll just hope that uh, things will continue. We'll continue to see uh, the number of cases recede here in Cuyahoga County and across Florida, across the United States. It's so great to see football games, stadiums packed with uh, 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 fans. Who are watching a football game? You know, many people are just uh, ignoring it and just going about their lives, and I think they're making the good decisions. Yeah, and let's let's just bring up Flip Flop Fauci for just a second. Um, uh, he said over the weekend on Face the Nation that um, we just have to, you know, think about if we're going to gather for Christmas. We, you know, it's too soon to tell. He got so much pushback that he actually contradicted himself. He says, oh, no, 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 that was a misunderstanding. Oh, I never ahead. said that. Every family should get together and have Christmas. Of course, I never said that. <laughs> He's such... He, there's a guy that... He clearly, he has, uh, he has conspired with the uh, Chinese in order to do... Uh, uh, <clears throat> what do they call it? The uh, uh, gain-of-function research. No, for the, in the Wuhan, yeah. In, in Wuhan lab. He denied it. He have actually, uh, Rand Paul said, uh, do you want to re- rescind that statement? He did not. He lied to Congress. He should go to jail for what he's done. Crimes for that, against humanity. For that uh, in and of itself. And, you know, I, I don't know if you remember um, yesterday on, on Bannon, but that Sherry Markson was on who, who wrote that the book that's out now that's selling like hotcakes, what really happened in, in Wuhan. And her blockbuster revelation yesterday was that these PRC tests for for uh, COVID were available and and ready to go in June of 2019. And the Chinese bought them up. Yep. And unbelievable. Yep. Linda, I always appreciate your comment. Very thoughtful and I have passionate. so much more to say. I know, but uh, we have to come on the show more often. Thank you so much for joining us. You're welcome. All right. Well, that's a wrap here in today's show. I hope you enjoyed it. Tomorrow, we're going to visit with Bob Levy, the chairman of the Cato Institute. We'll be talking about equality or inequality. We'll also visit with Andrew Joppa, professor and author of Josephus of Oz, and and, uh, Professor Larry Bell, endowed professor at the University of Houston in space architecture and author of many books. His latest is What Makes Humans Truly Exceptional. Always appreciate your comments on the show. You can send me an email at bobharden at hotmail.com, bobharden at hotmail.com. I hope you make it a great day on the Paradise Coast or wherever you are. Namaste. Thanks so much for listening to the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. For more information and audio files of previous shows, visit www.bobharden.com.